podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Denat Coombs Show. Happy New Year, everybody. I am Mike, back in the hot seat for our review show. You see, some things change, but some things thankfully stay the same. And we have got a lot to get into over the next 60 minutes. So let's get straight down to business and welcome the brilliant Mike Carson. Hi, Mike. Good to see you. How is 2022 treating you so far? Oh, so oh, is it 2022? <laughs> there's this great, there's this great Scandinavian word called somul, which which basically means as or like like Christmas, and it refers to that week between Christmas and New Year, which this year has extended obviously because Christmas, you know, being on a Saturday and all, um, where you just don't know what day it is. What is going I, on? I mean, nine nine times a day, I'm walking down the street going, do I take? Do I take my son to school tomorrow? Is that it? no, no, no? It's two days from now. You know that, that kind, that kind of thing. Do I have the pod with Matt today? Oh yeah. So it's a good thing I'm here. I've been sitting here for twelve hours waiting <laughs> since the last show. You've just been sitting waiting, hoping Zoom would fire up. Well, it is good to see you. We've got a ton to get into. I'm going to fire a whole lot of questions at you. We well, might even... a whole lot of questions. Forget it. I'm out of here. Oh Let's no. Look. Oh Mike, come on. Oh the sh- the shirt's coming off. The, the shirt's coming off. He's the he's throwing the shirt. It's uh, the the crowd of one Rufus. <laughs> You're going to take the undershirt off as well because that's what Antonio did. Peace out. Peace I, out. I thought you looked quite actually. As we were getting ready to record, I thought you looked. You might uh, for the benefit of our pod listeners, we'll we'll push that clip out on our social channels at the NC show so you can see the video, see it uh, in all its full glory. I Mike ripped off his shirt. Antonio Brown start. <laughs> Let's start there because I want to talk uh, about Big Ben's final. Uh, performance final win at Heinz, it seems, last night. But seeing as you mentioned Brown, let, let's go there first of all. Is oh, something- I wasn't referring to anybody oh, in particular. sure you were <laughs> We were just saying before we started recording the show, actually, the really interesting language coming out from the Bucks or around the situation that after Arian's post-game was unequivocal that he's no longer a Buck, turns out he is still a Buck, Mike. Yeah, the the uh, Bruce Arians spoke and just said he's no longer a buck, and and the team, whoa, cool your jets there. Uh, I suspect that it's mostly uh, they're talking to the league about what's the least damaging way to release him. Right, um, primarily c- contractually, there there might be a slight concern that someone would pick him up and he'd come back to haunt them. But um, do you reckon I anyone saw, would? That's a because re- you well, I, I, I was thinking that was it because uh, the the big thing with Antonio Brown. Um, and, and we know he's a troubled individual um, yeah. with, with, with lots of problems. And, and you know, th- there's a pattern to his to the troubles he's had off the field, which is mostly that that he he basically uh, charms people, um, you, you know, and for various things. And, and they do stuff and then he's t- he, he doesn't pay them or he um, harasses them, you know, in, in multiple ways and, and, and then doesn't want to face the responsibility. And, mm. and it's a terrible thing. But in the NFL, they'll forgive that talent gets you forgiven any number of times. Right. Um, they'll give you more chances. But when it happens on the field, they're less forgiving. Um, it's a, it's a very strange kind of paradox, but it's true. Is it because it's in full public glare? And so they, they, they can't in any credible way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that, you know, anything that happens on camera is worse than 
than mm. what doesn't. Um, mm. You know, you look at um, Kareem Hunt's, um, you know, thing. but mm. um, but the other thing is there's a certain there's a certain uh, responsibility to the team ethos that you're not supposed to break. It, that, that's beyond the pale. You can you can do whatever you want off field. And and, you know, given that video mm. that the taxi driver, the, <laughs> the the car driver put up, you know, with Antonio in the back seat when he picked him up from the stadium mm. um, after the state police refused to give him an escort to the airport and took him into the city. Um, I don't have a whole lot of faith in a yeah. good week for Antonio yeah, it's coming up, stuff. although he did release a rap record and cynics among us might suggest mm. he was trying to get attention for that. Right. But- yeah. <laughs> well, there is a possibility. Should have left the stadium in, in his hot air balloon. I wonder where that is these days. <laughs> that yeah. would be gorgeous. It would be gorgeous. Make a whole movie out of that. <laughs> I think he's just moving, just travel everywhere by hot air balloon. I mean, we, we, we joke about it and, and a lot of people have, of course, and it's, and it's, and it's easy because it was shocking. You know, I was on air at the time and we couldn't believe what we were seeing and trying to make sense of it. And was this pregame? Well, was it before half time? What was going on? Yeah, there's, there's it, a bunch of, there's a bunch of things coming out, um, you know, as, as sort of mitigations, I guess. Mm. Um, one is that he had an argument with Tom Brady because Brady wasn't going to him enough and was going to, I think it was like your boy Gronk or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah the, and, it's really interesting you say that, Mike, because the fir- the, when it started to unfurl, as I said, we're trying to piece it together and you hop on Twitter and see what Shefty and people are saying. And can you, can you piece all the clues together? That was one of the first things I did. I thought, has he not been thrown at? How many looks has he had in this game? And actually didn't look, I can't remember, but it certainly wasn't as if Brady hadn't targeted him at all. So I thought I could have dismissed that, but that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and plus, you know, Brady's been his, you know, biggest supporter, right. um, you know, to the point of having him living in his house in two different places. Sure. Um, and then and the, the other interesting one was that, he, you know, some people were saying, oh, his ankle, he had said he couldn't go back in because his ankle hurt, but mm-hmm. there was there was mitigating against that is, is Mike Evans was there, you know, obviously arguing with him on the sideline to go in. Mm. And then when he didn't go in, obviously he, he was doing jumping jacks and, and skipping across the field and, and that kind of stuff. So it didn't look like his ankle was, was yeah, bothering him right. horribly, you know? So yeah, the, I, I, th- I think it's just, it's a good thing to move on from, mm. from Tampa's point of view. Um, and as, since we're talking about Ben in just a second, you know, that, mm. that was an amazingly, great combination Ben to Antonio Mm. Brown people don't realize exactly how good Antonio Brown was for those nine years in Pittsburgh until they finally got you know got sick of his antics and if you if you remember back to that that all revolved primarily around his um, calling out Juju when Juju Mm. was named the team MVP that season but Brown had Brown had just a string Mm. of great years um, not the best year in the league, you know, not mm-hmm. the flashiest year in the league, but every single year. And he still holds a record, if you want to call it a record, but, you know, five or more catches, 36 consecutive games or something mm. like that, which, you know, which is a sign of consistency. He, he was, a, he's an amazingly good receiver, which is why he keeps getting, uh, he, and he does everything. He does get, does the hard work, you know, he takes hits and mm. that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, you know, the talent, he's only, only he's 33 now i mm. guess and you know he could still come back if he gets his life if he gets his life together but uh, you know mm. i think that is a long shot it is and it's sad to, and it's a great point he's a, a hell of a player and it's easy to forget that with all the all the antics and also i guess what occurred to me with all this mike is you know it's easy to throw shots and you know i've thrown a couple of cheap ones already on on the show but clearly something is not right there and when you see a, a, a meltdown maybe is too far going too far with it but when you see a behavior like this part of 
you thinks well actually and i know that you're right there are lots and lots of stories that have come out around him that are indefensible in terms of his behavior are certainly um, unpalatable but this is somebody a, a terrific athlete who is in the glare of the public eye under pressure and is behaving like this i just hope first things first he can try and get right because and it's different from i don't know a situation like josh gordon right but not a thousand miles away from that either that you just want the individual to be okay first and everything else to follow and yeah i, I think that i think that's reasonable um gordon's a different set of problems and a, mm. and, and uh, a, a deeper one i think um but as far as we know i, I don't, as far I don't as we know, know how you do it yeah uh, where does this leave the bucks because they're banged up anyway and as you say brady was a key supporter in uh, and really the key protagonist in bringing him in, returning him uh, and, and bringing him back into the NFL and, and reestablishing him as a, as a top receiver, given the injuries they've got to Godwin most notably, but, but the ground game has been struggling since Fournette went down as well. Where does this leave the Bucks offense now, Antonio Brown going forwards? Well, Cyril Grayson, Cyril from Eton and, and Oxford. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was it was interesting to see Brady go to him, um, and he went. He actually, I think he had eight catches on the game. But that that last pass was a brute. Did you see the? It wasn't a pump fake. Brady did a whole shoulder fake. You know, he <laughs> he went like that. Yeah, and, and that guy and Grayson didn't even play college football. He was yep. a runner at, at LSU. Right. Um, and uh, the problem is. Brady and Rodgers, you can almost make an equivalence there. You, he, it's a trust factor. Yeah. They don't want, they're so, such perfectionists um, or have such faith in their own ability to, to throw perfect passes. They don't want to throw to people who can't catch them or who don't do what they're supposed to do, aren't where they're supposed to be. Mm. And um, to a raw kind of receiver like Grayson, that was a huge step forward, I think, because maybe he can go that way. Mike Evans is healthy right now. You know, if I'm the Bucks, what are you at this point? It's an interesting thing with the playoffs this year, too, because with only one bye, there's actually more reason to rest players mm. if you have your position more or less locked up. Um, now, the Bucks could fight for the top seed overall, but that would require Green Bay to lose as well as as them to win. Mm. So, um, and Green so Bay said probably, they're playing their starters. They've come out this week. They said so. it, but we'll see what happens. You mm. know, nobody's going to say we're going to tank this game. Um, sure, but um, you know, if I if I'm the Bucks, I would rather stay in the two seed with a healthy Mike Evans than than get the one seed and lose Mike Evans to to an injury. Just just as an example, mm. and they need him a lot. Um, given how thin that receiving core is. Same with Gronk. I'd want to rest Gronk, um, you know, who, who is, who what is he? Rest, real, yeah. He's 32, and but he's like 48 in terms of- In playing age, yeah. In terms of pay, playing age. Hey, you're forgetting, so, yeah, Mike, uh, you're forgetting Scotty Miller. Maybe Scotty can be uh, the go-to guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought I thought he would step in, but Brady doesn't seem to, no. you know, look for him, though. And maybe it's because the offense is a bit different and, and Scotty's skill set isn't quite the fit they're looking at. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they started doing that more. More of a worry for the Bucs is the run defense doesn't seem to be as good as it was for most of the season. And, mm. and they're going to have to put that back back together. So, I mean, I think week, week 18 is going to be a very difficult one to pick mm. um, because of that. Uh, if I were a team with nursing injuries or having COVID guys or whatever, 
I would want, I would prefer to take the sort of half rest of a week before going into the playoffs. Right. And I always used to argue in week 18 that, you know, teams should not rest players if, if they were going into a buy position or fight for, a, they should fight for a buy position because it was such a huge advantage to mm-hmm. get that first week off and then, and then play. Uh, but with only one buy, it's, it, it's pretty much, at least in the NFC, it's pretty much set for the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Well, we'll talk about the who can run the Packers close in the playoff race in a bit. Let's let's go to Monday Night Football singers. We, we've trailed it a couple of times. Uh, and Big Ben in his in his postgame interview, Mike said uh, the game played out m- like much of his career. Not always pretty, but we found a way, which I thought was, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty appropriate reflection on how the, the Steelers won that game and how he performed. They gave him the chance to air it out, of course. I mean, he was what, over 40 attempts. Well, he was, they were well I mean, he I think he had. The fewest number of yards for a quarterback with over 25 completions yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in history. He only had 123 yards passing. I mean, I would not want to be one of Ben's receivers for the last <laughs> couple of years because mm. basically what you do is you take one step, you slant across the middle of the field. He throws you the ball three yards from the line of scrimmage, and then somebody smashes you from behind <laughs> and, and repeat. You know, just shower, rinse, and repeat over right. and over and over again. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I mean, to me – the biggest, the craziest thing, and is that the Steelers have evolved into this system where Ben's, uh, you know, ability to get rid of the ball, and over previous years, and which is why he's where he is now. Over previous years, his ability to take hits and still complete passes because mm. he's so big and strong. You know, he he absorbed a lot of punishment, um, probably more than any quarterback short of David Carr. Um, <laughs> you know, without getting sacked because he just didn't go yeah. down. And um, I, I think one of the problems Pittsburgh will be facing now is, is their inability to ever develop a successor to Ben. Mm. Um, now, that's partly because they, know, they would never let the guy play until it was an emergency and they had to. But um, how much of that? I was thinking about this, the, the injury that Ben had a couple of years back. Because yeah, there's yeah. the talk of his retirement has been flying around for a number of years, right? And, yeah, he and, only played two or three games that season. Yeah, and I wonder if that had been a complete season played out, maybe quite similarly to the way this year has played out. You know, they're in playoff contention down to the wire, whether he might have hung them up then and it might have actually made the succession plan a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, I mean, at some point, and now you don't know what they're going to do for next year, but obviously that that's a landing place for a quarterback, yeah. um, a veteran quarterback, because I doubt they'll want to do the... Um, the thing the Patriots have done this year and, you know, bring in a rookie and, and still and manage to get into the playoffs. Uh, mm. Cause you look at what all the other rookies, the higher, you know, the higher priced or higher drafted rookies have done and it's not, but you know, they're not a bad team. So if they could get their hands on a developable quarterback, that would be great, but they'll probably mm. have a short term solution. Um, mm. You know, Hey, maybe um, uh, Dwayne Haskins will be ready by next year. You know, he's been sitting there all season and, uh, Haskins is a intriguing prospect. intriguing prospect. That's exactly that's the, exactly the right words. Did you see the stuff that came out about him? I don't know, seven or eight weeks ago. It was interesting that factor that came out. Actually, I think it was an ESPN reporter that was on the sideline that picked it up, rather than it was leaked. But the suggestion was that he was because he's been the third stringer, of course, but he was suited up as the backup in one of the games, either because Rudolph was out or I don't think Ben's missed any, whatever. He was the go-to backup. It was a good opportunity at being set. And they, the suggestion was he was just going through the motions on the sideline, not his head wasn't really there. And the coaches, this reporter overheard the coaches emphasizing that and with consternation just saying, 
we're going in like 20 minutes what the hell's going on he just doesn't seem like he's there at all this it seems to be the perspective on Haskins he's got all the talent but he just doesn't have the right approach yeah I I think that's that's been a good that's why Washington let him go basically Mm. um and uh, it's funny because you know he was a big success at Ohio State for Urban Meyer um, yeah, but but that's yeah. you know but that's a different it's a different thing you know a, a different dynamic and a different sort of football. The NFL um, doesn't give you that leeway that my Meyer does. Uh, remember, he let go of Joe Burrow um, <laughs> yeah. to keep Haskins, and well, yeah. you know, um, when we'll get to Joe Burrow, I'm sure in a minute. Um, but- One thing on Big Ben, Mike, where does he sit for you in, in terms of the modern NFL? all-time quarterbacks. What, it's where funny because I've written about him a couple of different times in the two, about the 2004 class. Mm. And he's clearly the best of those three in. Um, That's Rivers and Eli. He has the, yeah, Rivers and Eli. He has the best stat line, not by much over Rivers, but, you know, by, by a good margin over Eli. Um, and um, he has two rings as Eli does, which is Eli's really hall of fame. Uh, uh, argument mm. in in three words. He in four words. He has two rings, um, and I looked at. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because because I, I was looking at him kind of as with various with various throwers from the past, guys like John Hadle, and 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 so I looked up on Pro Football Reference. They have a, a Hall of Fame monitor. And their algorithm takes into account lots of different things that that it's based on Bill James, and the baseball hall mm. of fame, the things that the voters look for, not necessarily who's got the best line, but who's got the things that the voters look for. Championship rings are a big thing. First team mm-hmm. all pros are a big thing. Um, the counting stats are obviously a big thing, and they've all gotten bigger over the years. And so the two guys at the top of the list are Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and they're virtually equal. They're, they're like tenths of a per, of a point. And right behind them are Favre, surprisingly, and mm-hmm. Rodgers. And nobody thinks Brett Favre is the third greatest quarterback of all time. But in terms of the way we see, or, or not we, but the Hall of Fame voters see that, that that's the way it works. Breeze sits seventh on that list. So he's going in automatically. The 11th guy on the list is Steve Young. Mm-hmm just above the average for the guys who are actually in the Hall of Fame. And the average for them is 104 points, however their system works. Two championships, two first-team All-Pros, seven Pro Bowls, 13 seasons. The next guy below that, the top guy below the average is Matt Ryan. And Ben is is one guy behind Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's got 104 points, which is exactly the average. And Ben, ben is really, Matt Ryan's going to the Hall of Fame. Well, by their by their mm. um, calculations, he's got a better shot than Ben, which I can't agree with. Ben's got the two rings. Got That's the, rings. the big thing. Ben's never been a first-team All-Pro. Mm-hmm. He's only been to six Pro Bowls in 18 years. Um, I think it's 17 seasons, basically. Rivers is right behind him, literally one point behind him. Mm-hmm. And Rivers has never been to a Pro Bowl, never won a championship, but has eight Pro Bowls. I'm sorry, never been first team. Super Bowl. Pro. Has eight eight Pro, pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then behind them are guys who are in, like Bart Starr and Roger Staubach and Dan Fouts and Terry Bradshaw, you know, which is pretty good competition, yeah. down to Kurt Warner, who's just ahead of Eli and Ken Anderson. Um, 
neither of whom are in. And Kurt Warner is a great example of the modern thing because he's got pretty good counting stacks. Mm -hmm. He was an MVP, which mm -hmm. which gives him a huge boost. Um, but overall, you know, it, it's it's a career of fits and starts. Yeah. You know, he had the great the great years in St. Louis, followed by tough years elsewhere, followed by a couple of good years in Arizona. And, you know, so it's it's hard to sort of put him in, but he's just ahead of Eli and, and Ken Anderson and and um, way where's, down Montana, the list. where's Montana on the list. Uh, that's good. I didn't notice he's somewhere in that top 20, I think. OK, um, but, you know, guys like Namath and Stabler and Sonny Jurgensen and Greasy and Moon, they're all way down there. Um, they wouldn't, they would have more trouble nowadays, strangely mm. enough. And Russell Wilson's in the middle. Troy Aikman's way down there too. Now Aikman was never a first team all pro, went to six pro bowls like, like Ben, but only in 12 years, not 18. Mm. Uh, but he has three championships, which, mm. which vaults you along. So, so rings are the big thing. Rings are the thing. Is rings to, are the thing. You know yeah. what I think about, you know, we've talked about it plenty of times, but just super quick on Eli, the, I get it. Of course it's that number of the volume of rings sure as the surface level stat but Eli's role not just in the Super Bowls but in those playoff runs in both you know both championships for the Giants and you compare that to Roethlisberger's first ring right and 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 it's not even close so I get that it, so much emphasis is placed well, on it but we've got to look at the the, the, uh, the involvement of that player remember yeah the first win for Roethlisberger um was not his yeah that's my point yeah um eli you give you have to give a lot more credit to for simply making you know obviously the david tyree play is is mm. the big one but but again that was a defensive you know the defense won those two super bowls for the giants but eli made the plays when he had to. when he had to eli's an interesting case because he's basically almost exactly a league average quarterback yeah um statistically with a 500 record as a starter mm. but of those three guys ben and ben and rivers and eli he's the only one whose statistics are better in the playoffs than they are yes, in regular exactly. season. Exactly. Um, and that which, second which, championship, the playoff run, it's not just the, the big game. And, and it's a good point you make. The, Strahan and, and, and Osen and uh, the, the yeah, first Justin Tuck and, yeah. was in there as well. Uh, JPP in the second one, right? But the, look at the run. Go back and look at the, the playoff run for the second, the 2011 championship. And, and Eli's performances in that playoff when they did it the hard way again on the road. He was brilliant in that playoff run. So I think that has to that has to count for a lot. Okay, that's fascinating there, Mike. Thanks for sharing that. And you said you wrote about it. So I guess it's on the Patreon. Well, I've written, Patreon. No, I mean I haven't written about oh. it now, but I've done okay. in, the, in the past comparing those three guys. It's a it's a it's a fascinating uh, Rivers will be the one shut out. Mm. Although Rivers to me is a really good the, the guy who he resembles the most is either Kurt Warner or Dan Fouts. Right. Both of right. whom are You're both of them are in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh okay. Let's talk. Seeing as you were chucking around all pros and uh, MVPs, I want to get into the offensive rookie of the year discussion because Jamar Chase, after that incredible performance, and you referenced Burrow uh, and the Bengals, I'm sure we'll get into where you think they are as they get into the playoffs. Jamar Chase, to me, Mike, has to be the offensive rookie of the year. I know quarterbacks get uh, extra status, extra chips. I think Mac Jones has had done everything pretty much he's been asked, but you, you and I were talking about this on the show a few weeks back when the Patriots were going on this run, when everyone started taking them seriously, he wasn't even to the standards they're expecting from him. He wasn't wildly consistent there. He had a couple of different games in that run as well. And he's been fine and respect to him. What he's done is, as you say, the, the strongest rookie campaign out of all of them, but Jamar Chase is 
at, at a different level, isn't he? Yet, well, Max, things, have changed, things have changed in the past three weeks, basically, since we mm. had that discussion. I think Jones was a lock at that point. Uh, for offensive rookie year, you don't step in and do this as a, as a rookie. Ben was maybe the last rookie to come in and do it, and they did it in much the same way by mm. by, by limiting what he was asked to do. Ben mm. was only throwing about twenty passes a game on that first Steelers team um, that he played on. Then they, the Patriots had two bad losses in a row to the Colts, and, and uh, where they had to come from behind, and and some of the team's limitations as well as Max were were revealed. They don't have that deep threat that can you know the the, the game breaking kind of player. They're much better playing from the lead or and or against the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, <laughs> which is pretty much the same thing. But in the last two weeks. Chase has had two huge games, and the second one was basically on on the big stage, and that's yeah. what does it. it and mm-hmm. it was a spectacular game. They looked like they looked at you at LSU playing against Clemson, you know, where he tore. It was AJ Terrell, I think he he caught five touchdowns over AJ Terrell in, the, mm-hmm. in that game, um, <clears throat> and just made him look silly. It, it and was Terrell's an interesting a good corner, right? I mean, he's playing. Terrell Terrell's has, I mean, he, it took him a year to adjust from that, but he's had a very good season. He, and he, he was yeah. the recipient of a very bad call um, in the game uh, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think that, that the sheer, the sheer what um, spectacularness of that game uh, this week which vaulted him up over a, a thousand yards. I mean, when he was sitting down there at six or 700, now he's had two huge games in a row. He's up mm. over a thousand. Bing, a thousand is the, yeah. the, the four digit number that may, makes all the difference. Mm. I think you're probably right that he's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Um, it's hard for, for receivers to be, to get MVP notice. I mean, there is some talk about Cooper cup, for example, yeah. being an MVP, which is fair enough because they probably couldn't be where they are without him having done having done what he did but you know in nfl europe we had um marcus robinson as mvp one year which was justly deserved because Mm -hmm. he was doing an awful lot with with the quarterback who you know wasn't throwing him into lots of yardage Mm. but what chase did what was remarkable and and it was it was a remarkable game too because i still think that for all their inconsistencies what killed the chiefs in that game were three different DPI calls. Um, the horrible call for the um, um, horse collar, which wasn't a horse collar yeah. and wasn't a hit out, hit out of bounds. And then there was the one other one was the hands to the face, off the ball, hands to the face. Mm. Uh, you know, again, one that you can call, but why were you calling it, you know, at this point in the game? Mm. So, I mean, bar, taking those away, I think it's a much different game. Um, but that's not to take any credit away from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because, um, you know, you, you were there um, and they did they did what they had to do. And, and Burrow's thrown now for, what, a thousand yards in the last, basically in the last two games. Two games, yeah, right. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. I think Chase probably is the offensive rookie of the year, which means that what's his name um, from uh, Creed Humphrey from Kansas City is not going to get it. Creed Humphrey, even though he's going to have his work cut out because Lucas Niang has torn his patella tendon, so he's done for the season. So how big uh, a hit is that going to be? The Chiefs offensive line. The, big- the Chiefs offensive line had just pretty much gelled, yeah, you know, right. as it were. They were started, They were playing pretty well together. Um, they actually dominated for 
quite a while in that game. You know, the, the Chiefs were running the ball almost at will against mm. the Bengals, and Joe Mixon wasn't. Um, and I think that hurt the Chiefs a lot in that game. I think it took it, it sort of took part of that game plan out away because mm. they just you know they just weren't able to run with the same efficiency after Niang went down. Okay, so Chiefs banged up on the line. Joe Burrow's injury, incidentally, because that was a, a worry, I think, for Bengals fans. That it, it's a knee injury, but they're not wor- they're not concerned about it. They they think he's he's going to be fine. The Titans winning again and getting right in the mix, despite not at all being a fashionable pick and they could have Derek Henry back as well. The Patriots stuttering now. So the AFC playoff picture, who do you think is rolling into the playoffs, Mike, as the most dangerous proposition? Is it still the Chiefs? Can we overreact too much? Are people overreacting too much to that to that Bengals win? Are the Bengals the biggest threat to the Chiefs? How are you looking at this AFC playoff? That's a, that's a really interesting one because recency bias obviously says you, you have to give the Bengals a whole lot of credit yeah. um, for what they can do. Uh, Tennessee, to me, is the most interesting team. I, I don't know about Henry being back, but, you know. Um, You're not convinced he will come back, you mean? I, I, yeah. I, I mean, who knows? Or in, in what in what condition but they've been they've yeah. been really efficient um in terms of winning games um i saw the six and two against teams with winning records which is mm. which is pretty impressive yeah. um and uh producer ollie has told me that mike rabel is his choice for uh coach of the year yeah it's not which is not a bad choice i think he's been in my mix though every time we've we've talked about it mike rabel's my choice for coach of the year i think that's what producer ollie was conveying to you said so we wouldn't get into coach of the year he said he <laughs> yeah he's yeah. he's pulling the strings you're just a, you're oh, just the puppet hey, situation normal then but yes yeah, so I, I think he is i mean i, I want to get your perspective on, on coach of the year i think lafleur's got to be in that conversation he don't get enough respect but it's Brady, funny yeah if the season ended today the pay, the packers would be 13 and three for the third straight year under Matt LaFleur and he gets yeah. zero credit. Um, he's got, I was reading LaFleur has got in his first three seasons as a head coach, 39 and nine is his record. Yeah. That is more than Thir- any other coach in, in NFL history. Yeah. 13 and three, three straight years. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah they they shouldn't that. play. They, they should take, they should take the, um, they should take the extra game off the schedule now, just so it doesn't, you know, now it's going to mess up the, the, the symmetry. symmetry of yeah. That. Um, yeah. But um yeah, Sorry, I, yeah. So I, you know, the problem is he's you can't separate him from Rodgers, you know, because everybody mm. says, as I do, that the Packers will win or lose based on what Aaron Rodgers does. And, mm. You know, God, he was amazing last week. There was mm. the, a, a great close up of his head as they, just before a play. And he, he kind of looks over it. Then he looks to the side and he goes like this because one of his backs is lined up in the place he doesn't want him. So it's like just this little head in the back goes to the other side. And no language, now we, no dialogue. Now we can go, you know, and, and he's just so, so calm and cool there. But um, yeah. I think Vrabel's got to be a leading contender and Lafleur yeah. will be as well. But um, who else is on your for list? That, I don't think he gets there because of that reason. Um, Frank Reich, mm. although Indianapolis goes in and out, I, I thought they should have won that game. Um, against Vegas. Uh, mm. I thought they were hard, but done by as well. Um, and uh, of course, Wentz hadn't practiced all week. Um, yeah. And he and needs, needs a lot of practice. You get the sense that Reich, that Reich is kind of, you know, talk about puppet, and, uh, but Reich is, you know, very careful, very careful bringing him along and with what he asks him to do. Um, Belichick doesn't get a lot of credit, but I think he's got the best out of this team. Mm. Um, now, Belichick, the GM, 
can be faulted maybe for the way he put together some of the parts of this team. And they've obviously got limitations, but if, if they can get out in front, they're a very dangerous team to be playing. The, they lost to Buffalo and Indy because primarily because Buffalo and Indy got out in front and then could, you know, and then could hold the Patriots attack in check because they're not built really to come from behind. It's interesting um, what you said about guys, Belichick, the GM though, because he's had a, I'd say he's had a, a strong, I know maybe in the last few years less so, but this off season free agency in the draft, I think he's pretty much hit with yeah, everything. Well, right? it's one of those things where you sort of gambled on Aguilar who mm-hmm. hasn't been what he was in Vegas last year. And part of that's because they have a rookie quarterback. And so they're not taking their shots. John Smith, and Hunter Henry Smith hasn't been the receiving threat that they probably wanted him to be. Yeah. Um, which is not to knock his play because they're a run first team and he's done a great job run blocking, mm. you know, and they spent a lot of money all around, you know, and Judon of course is been, been, you know, a perfect, perfect player for them. Yeah. So um, it's, it's simply that they're, they're lacking that they're lacking that one explosive piece. Um, who wasn't available, I, I think, mm. at, you know, at a reasonable price, uh, even though they overpaid virtually everybody that they that they uh, they signed in order in order to get them. Mm. Uh, but the other the other people, you know, I, I, I I'm not a big John Harbaugh fan personally. <laughs> but John Harbaugh has coached his butt off, keeping this team in contention, basically, mm. given all of the injuries that they've had. Um, Do you think they've been you know, the unluckiest in that respect? They, they probably the hardest. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's for sure. I think Buffalo, maybe Cleveland. You know, it's odd that there are mm. two teams in the same division have had, you know, the the most crippling set of injuries and, and losses. Yeah. But, you know, when you watch Harbaugh with Josh Johnson, at quarterback who played for him at San Diego Un- university of San Diego, not even San Diego state university of San Diego, and has hung around pro football mm. <laughs> playing anywhere, you know, whatever league pops up, Josh Johnson's there. And it's like, you know, mm. but you look at teams that don't have that Mike Glennon, for example, you know, for the giants. I mean, it's, it's p- pathetic. Um, you know, and, uh, you just say, well, and here's Baltimore playing with Josh Johnson and not and not embarrassing themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, Huntley Huntley has made himself some money if if they don't re-sign him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, behind uh, Lamar. So yeah, I think he should get some most, and maybe Nick Sirianni. I mean, he's not going to win it, obviously. But Sirianni's take took a lot of time at the start of the season in a new job, and then and then settled down with what would work for the team. Mm. And it was, it's kind of a very un-Eagles kind of team, but he said, okay, Jalen Hurts is our quarterback. Okay. So how, what can we do to put us in a position where Jalen Hurts can help us win because our strengths are up front, you know, offensively and defensively. Um, and, and that's kind of worked out pretty well for them. This, you know, I mean, everybody in Philadelphia is, you know, throwing cheesesteaks in the air because uh, they think the <laughs> Eagles are on the, on the march to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you never know. Stranger things happen. Is Jalen Hurts the starter? in Philly week one next season? That's a great question. Um, Cause I, I can't, I don't know. Um, probably. Yes. Um, do they, I don't, did Gardner Minshew sign a one year deal with them? I mean, Minshew should yeah, get another look somewhere, sure. um, but we all know, we all know what his sort of strengths and limitations are. He's, he could be the fits, the fits of his generation. Minshew. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick of, of his generation. Um, but yeah, I think Hertz goes in number one. I don't think they draft a quarterback. Um, and, 
if Minshew goes, they probably bring in another guy who can come in for Hertz. Uh, partly too, because when you've got a quarterback who's basically a runner and is and running is going to be part of your game plan, you really need to have a backup because injuries are inevitable. Mm. The just on that tip for a moment, I'm going to go to the mailbag uh, for the first time today. Cormac McNulty, hey Cormac, a Kirk Cousins' days numbered in Minnesota. Ari, his COVID stance well, potentially that's, costing them a playoff, but that's interesting. Um, because Wentz, Cousins, Rogers, I mean, what is it with quarterbacks? Uh, right. Um, and from in the North <laughs> for, 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 <laughs> COVID, for COVID in the North. And, and, you know, th- th- this is something that hurts the team as well. Like, you know, mm. You're not vaccinated. So therefore, you know, until the NFL cut it from 10 days to five, coincidentally yeah. enough, um, yeah. the, the, um, the uh, you know, you, you were guaranteed to lose, a, lose at least one game. Uh, if you did, I, that's, I think- a, that's a fascinating point, Mike, because I, I was reflecting on when the Cousins news broke. And as you say, it was around the time Wentz, this is obviously the same week and the Wentz story broke and then Wentz was able to, to get going. But we saw how the whole situation impacted his play and ultimately the Colts performance. Cousins, m- more dramatically so. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the big biggest beneficiaries of this because when, and I know it's a slightly different situation and Rogers was disingenuous and ambiguous in a lot of how he <laughs> went about it. But I think that's helped uh, the, the one risk for Rogers as MVP or the one challenge to that was that whole situation. And would the voters have a concern with how Rogers played that situation cousins and Wentz being identified as quarterbacks that haven't been vaccinated either. I think that's helped. That's definitely helped Rogers' case. In, in in Cousins' case in particular, if you're Dalvin Cook, and I know it was a long shot for the Vikings to make the playoffs, but if you're Dalvin Cook or any of his teammates, frankly, and your teammates put you in your team in that situation, it is altogether different. I've heard a lot of, well, a number yeah. of people supporting, well, it's their right. And if you're anti-vax, like, it's your right. And they're athletes and they don't know what the long-term impact's going to be for uh, you know their professional career. But you've got... A responsibility to your teammates, don't you? It's a different situation. That's yeah. Let's go back to Antonio Brown, right? Basically, but it doesn't seem to play out that way. Um, maybe because other players think, yeah, individual liberties are you know are more than that. But you know, they had no chance to beat Green Bay with Sean Mannion at quarterback, mm. um, zero. And you could see the frustration in Mike Zimmer at afterwards when you know someone asked him about kellen mond you know if mond would play next week and he said no <laughs> he said why did i don't want to see him out on the field mm. <laughs> i mean they drafted this guy in the third round I mean, mm. <laughs> it's like um and it's interesting too because uh i don't think there's been a lot of um discussion about mike zimmer as a possible departure as head coach yeah yeah yeah. um i think he and vic fangio two very great defensive minds are actually probably walking a a sort of tightrope right now in Mm. in terms of 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 what happens and and zimmer's kind of demi meltdown after the after the game um didn't do any good and i think that revolves around kirk cousins because i'm really curious in the end to see what the dynamic was between zimmer and cousins whether mm. whether he wanted cousins and and they gave him the big contract because he thought that's what they needed now remember they played the whole year most of the most of the year without adam Thielen. 
mm. which, which hurt them a lot. Um, and they've had this situation with Griffin as well. And, you know, they'd be banged yeah, up defensively. But I wonder if, I wonder if, if they might want to move on. Mm. Um, and this gives them the option to do that. Yeah, but then they would have to then they then they would have to look at who the new coach is and what he thinks about Cousins. But mm. you know, obviously Cousins is making a lot of money, and that that's another that's another factor. But who who are you going to replace him with is mm. another one. You know, which is what you know people the, the discussion all season has been: Do the Browns try to re-sign Baker Mayfield? Mm. You know, having basically not not extended his contract, and and so he can please playing it out this year. Um, Baker has basically prove them right by not offering him an extension beforehand because mm. right now i don't know what his market value is but it's certainly not in the top quarterback and, and we saw that last night in this game yeah. pittsburgh you know pittsburgh tore him apart um and you know the game the score of the game doesn't reflect the you know pittsburgh basically just sacked baker mayfield and kicked field goals and yeah and um and the penalty to Clowney, you get 15 yards in the NFL. You get 15 yards for for taking the guy's shoe that's that's half off his foot and then just throwing it. Uh, you know, it's like I, I laugh, <laughs> but I guess you know that's what clownies are for. <laughs> Baker, that really interesting because the, is he going to have to suck it up if he does get moved on? Given the market value, I can't see many teams stepping up to that kind of contract. So he's, no, he's if I were Bake, if I were Baker and and I can't read Kevin Stefanski's mind, but I would, you know, I would sit down Not with yet, Kevin, anyway. <laughs> Kevin Stefanski. And if, you know, if he's, if he wants to go ahead with him at quarterback, I would do a team friendly deal. Mm. Um, I mean, he doesn't need the money because he's doing, he's doing more commercials than any player in the NFL. Um <laughs> But, you know, but and by team friendly, you know, that, yeah, the Brady we're talking, we're talking yeah. in the 20 million plus yeah. area, you know, the average quarterback kind of deal as mm. opposed to the star quarter, because face it, Baker, you're an average quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now on this team, if this Browns team had stayed healthy, we all thought that an average quarterback like Baker or bet slightly better than average would be able to take them somewhere. Mm. But, you know, obviously, obviously with the, with the, um, the way that the season played out, he couldn't. And, you know, that, that, that would be to me, the ideal thing. I wouldn't want to go into, to some tricky territory uh, necessarily. There's a lot of teams that will need quarterbacks though. Mm. Uh, the most interesting of which is the Green Bay Packers. If Rogers, mm does go through with last year's, you know, to become, well, he's a free agent at the end of the season with that deal they did last year. So. Well, this is it. I, let me throw this question at you from Damon at the NC show is how you get in touch with us. If Green Bay wins it all, Mike, does Rogers retire? Really interesting. You know, interesting. Saying I can't read Kevin Stefanski's mind. <laughs> you definitely can't read Rogers' mind. I can't, I can't find Aaron Rogers' mind. <laughs> you know, who knows what's going on there? Um, you know, it, he's probably, ooh, if he wins again. Do you remember years ago when we used to talk about the best quarterbacks and all? And I would keep saying if I were building a team, I'd build it around Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, and and he's probably the best passer of that, of his generation, you know, um, 
I keep saying he was he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. And God, will they stop saying about no look passes? They went on about a no look pass in that game where he yeah. looked at the guy. He's looking <laughs> left and then he turns right and looks at the guy and then yeah, he throws, then he the throws ball. it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a no look pass. <laughs> when you know? he releases if the you ball, look, it isn't no look. At any point. Um, but he, but yeah, uh, right. but Rogers could retire. I mean, he wouldn't have much else to prove. Would he would he really want to take a team that's not? You know, the, yeah. I guess the argument the argument would be if he is the Green Bay team. In other words, if the supporting cast is not automatically a Super Bowl team without him, which they mm. probably aren't, mm. would he want to go into another situation simply to prove that he can take anybody to the Super Bowl? Right, right. Yeah, and he's just ornery enough to probably want to do that. I think I think I could see that, but equally I could see him and in mindful of watching Roethlisberger last night and particularly that, you know, the post game interview and it was emotional. He was welling up and that the Steelers fans, obviously it was a big night for them, but as you've already identified on the show, Mike, this is a pale imitation of, of Roethlisberger in his prime. Right. And, and we see it time and time again in, in many sports and you go a little bit too long, a couple of rounds, too many, a couple of fights, too many. Rogers strikes me as exactly the kind of player that will want to go out in his prime vintage, drop the mic, see you later. I'd probably join Pat McAfee in WWE. I think oh, that, that is a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even thought I'm glad. I'm sorry you reminded me of that. Because <laughs> watching Pat McAfee is really irritating. And now we're going to go to Aaron Rodgers now. And Aaron Rodgers is right. Whatever he's going to say, he's right. I don't know what you say. How can you people say this stuff? I mean, I, I love listening to that for an hour and a half. So it just it calms me down. It makes, you know, it may, I get, I see the world in a better perspective. I understand football a whole lot better because of that. You don't need to meditate. Um, you know, a bit of I'd rather have ball. Michael Irvin slapping my knee for an hour and a half. Oh my God. I think I've still got bruises from that, Mike. Years, <laughs> up, years later. Um, I've got a good one for you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my career aim, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, is something slightly more media, mm. uh, slightly higher up on the media pyramid yeah. than Bat McAfee's show. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> He's being talked Jeopardy. about as the host of Jeopardy. You yeah, know. I don't know. I think McAfee's got a bigger pool these days. Right. Here's one for you. Uh, head coach, you were talking about hot seats, and obviously there are opportunities with the Raiders and the Jags. We know we expect that Matt Nagy will be gone from the Bears. That, I think, is, is a reasonable assumption. Well, just humor me for, for a moment, and uh, we'll roll with that. So those three head coaching ops, the Raiders, it's Jags, fun, It's Bears. funny. I, I, have this, I have this sense that the Bears – might do enough in the last two weeks to save Nagy's job. Good, you think? Well, the, the thing is, they're going to have to fire pace as well. Um, mm. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he should, you know, I think the, the jury's out on Nagy, you know, mm. they've, and they've come back with the verdict and, and it's that he should go, mm. but I, I'm just, I'm just wondering about that because once they seem to have settled down now into into this thing. Now beating the giant shouldn't save anybody's job because Joe judge should be in that, that category as well. I, you know, the giants are horrible. After the, with the way judge, I mean, that bizarre presser he gave afterwards, the, they'd come out of that was like, that was like 10 times worse than Mike Zimmer's. It was, <laughs> and that's saying something, it was, it was very desperate. And the organization had come out, what, a week ago and say, yeah. oh, whatever it was, yeah, he's our guy. And Danny Dimes is our guy. Do you think they might be thinking oh, after that? And well, after yeah, plans? it's funny. It's funny because if Danny, if Danny, <laughs> if Daniel Jones is their guy, 
Um, and the best thing that's happened to him is not playing the last six weeks because sure. yeah, <laughs> he right. can't get, you know, but if he's their guy, you would think they would want to bring in someone who might do a better job with their guy. Mm. Um, and, and the argument for Joe judge was one of character, you know, of, of building a team culture, which they don't seem to have been able to do now. And they haven't done for 10 years. I mean, mm. well, when, yeah, 10 years yeah. since 11, basically. I mean, yeah. there were a couple of years where they still struggled along for, and, and I think Eli was a good part of that in terms of team culture, you know, a good yeah. example sort of, sort of up front. but, but they couldn't make a decision on Eli. They, they, they couldn't make a decision on coach. They had three co runs of three coaches with two years each, you know, mm -hmm. and if they fired judge, it would be another one. Um, yeah. But they, they're not winning. I mean, it's, it's, it's four win year after four win year. And mm -hmm. how can you keep on excusing that? Um, you know, it, um, and, and judge has been no better four and 11 this year. So, mm -hmm. um, well, the four and 12 now. Um, so they'll, they'll finish, you know, maybe they'll finish five and 12 big deal. Um, <laughs> I, it, judge reminds me of the black Knight and Monty Python, you know, <laughs> kind of, I, I used that for Dan Campbell at the start of the season. Yeah, you did. I was judge, thinking you had that. Judges, it, judges in that kind of category as well. You know, it's like it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> We're still fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, but he's supposedly safe, and Gettleman's going to mm. get fired, and one of Gettleman's mm. assistants is going to take over. So I don't see much change, um, mm. much change happening there. Um, I, I think the Jacksonville job—it's all Trevor Lawrence, but that's a complete makeover. Mm. You know, that that's something where you're you're coming in and you're going to have to rebuild the team from the from the bottom, basically, kind of like the Jets last year. Yes. Um, where, where I think Sala, you know, after last week where they played Tampa so tough, you know, yeah. people are realizing that Sala's maybe, you know, maybe is on the right sort of track but but it's the second year that will will tell more than the first um, mike what do you think of enough, salah's call smart to... enough to put the ball into braxton berrios's hands yeah god the, yeah, the, there's no stopping head, braxton braxton berrios belichick shaking his head thinking what the hell how how is this happening what did you think of salah's decision to go for it and not take the field goal to go for it on fourth down and try and put the game to bed <sighs> You got to right. I mean, in that situation with very little, uh, nothing really going on in the season, of course, and you've got this opportunity to to ice the champs. I think you've just got to do it. What do you, you know, as you well, said a moment ago, what's the difference between a four and thirteen record and a three and fourteen record? I mean, no, right. true, true, and but you coaching decisions just like the one the week before, when you have Brady or Aaron Rodgers on the other side. You're thinking 45 seconds is is enough a minute is enough time for them to get a field goal. Yes, by any you know easily you know the, those guys are going to kill it, and we don't want to lose to a last minute field goal. Mm. So make them score a touchdown mm. to beat you um, because the odds are against that. Mm. And I, so I didn't really I didn't really argue with that. I could see the. I could see the logic of that. And I was actually really surprised that Brady could take them down for a touchdown because everything said they couldn't. Antonio Brown had walked off the field. You know, who's he going to throw to deep? You know, Cyril? Yeah, Cyril well, who? Turns out <laughs> you know? more catches in that game I think he had in his entire career. Hey, listen, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's bounced around from practice squad to practice squad. Best thing Matt Nagy has done this season, arguably, and, and Bears fans, well, I don't think many would argue with this, it, calling a timeout to honor Robert Quinn. I mean, that was that was a classy move, I thought, when Quinn broke Dent's sack record. Uh, 
which let's put that in context, Mike, because Dent was, uh, and I don't remember him first time around, but of course, I know all about that, that Bears defense that he was a, a cornerstone of. For the benefit of listeners in, in a similar position, talk us through what a hell of a player he was and therefore how yeah. big an achievement this is. Richard Dent was on a great defensive line. I guess the best comparison that people might take to Richard Dent would be Michael Strahan. Mm. Um, but he was bigger than Strahan. He was better, I think, better against the run. Not, not that Stray, Strahan was bad against the run. Remember, Strahan played, always played on the, the left side of defensive line. The offense is right, which is the side that teams traditionally run more, too. So you mm-hmm. had to be good, good against the run. Um, Dent was a big part of a great defensive line, a great defensive team. Those, those Buddy Ryan defenses, the four, six defense on, on those bears teams. And they dominated people up front from the end. Dan, Dan Hampton and, and Dan um, did most of the dominating and they had the fridge and, and Jim, Steve McMichael, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the middle there and Singletary behind them, and, you know, and, and a really tough secondary um, Singletary, what a beast yeah. he was. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but that that was an, an accomplishment, and it's it, the the thing with Nagy that doing that was not just the recognition of Quinn, because you know in the longer season and in, in the pass oriented game, there's more sacks and there's more opportunities for sacks, and you know this year you can argue that injuries and COVID have made it easier for some guys to get sacks, blah blah blah, but. Chicago traditionally is a defensive team. The, you know, they have won the few championships they've won um, since the the glory days based on defense. Mm -hmm. You know, they, the monsters of the midway, they honor tough players up front. They understand Mm -hmm. that. And, And so I think that was the, that was the real glory of, of what Nagy did. It showed a kind of understanding of how Chicago football and mm. Chicago football fans think um, and look at the game. And, and mm. so I, I really liked it as well. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, I might, we're out of time. Uh, well, yeah, I, I want to just put in a word for Andre Roberts, because if everybody says special teams are one third of the game, why do teams keep cutting Andre Roberts <laughs> who have for years has been, if not, you know, not, year in year out the best kickoff returner in in the league but certainly always one of the couple of best and always mm. worth at least one touchdown a season or yeah. not and, you know watching him get another another touchdown um and not that expensive you'd imagine game. right i mean he can't the deal he can't no. hit it. yeah all right no i mean but but teams in the end say well we can use somebody else to return kickoffs and mm. and in fairness the nfl is you know devalued the kickoff and because yeah. you can't block on it you know yeah and, and the the, the team can't right it's it's become a less important part of the game in the, in that sense so so yeah i i get that but i really the other the other one i just want to go to quickly is that matchup with dallas and arizona mm. um which was a kind of disappointing game um in some ways but isaiah simmons and micah parsons you know on the two on the two different mm. sides um parsons is more of a first two levels player and Simmons is more of a second two levels player linebacker and and they use him a lot the way you would use a safety you know mm. covering slot receivers and that kind of stuff which Simmons which Parsons can do as well but Parsons is more like moving between defensive end and outside linebacker and inside linebacker and Simmons right. is, but that's the new NFL 
is is guys like this on defense who play who can do what used to be considered multiple positions, mm. you know, and you can use them in so many ways, and it makes an offense's life life that much harder. Um, Simmons is kind of like Terran Matthew was. Yeah, you know, in in the sense of absorbing multiple positions, I don't think they'll they'll play him at court at, at safety or something like that, like Matthew could. But you know, I just I just loved watching those two guys play after play, and and Simmons made the play of that game, which was he he blitzed up the middle, and Zeke Elliott did a nice job getting in front of him and blocking him, but he got past Elliott, at which point Dak went through the pull up the middle that was there and he got up and chased Dak down and forced the fumble you know mm. punched the ball out and that was the key play of the game in, in in my mind that that and the fake that that um the fake uh non non-field goal that that uh, got Dallas to call a timeout so they didn't yes. have any timeouts they, they, left couldn't, they couldn't yeah, yeah. challenge the fumble which was the worst call of the weekend Jay Davy and Clowney's in the shoe throw, not accepted. Um, you know, it was a fumble. Um, yes, it needed to be reviewed probably to see that it was a fumble. Um, but because it, you know, because it wasn't a turnover, they couldn't review it. It wasn't the last two minutes. They couldn't review it. And they didn't have any challenges. They couldn't review it. So, you know, Dallas, that was a tough break for them, but makes it a little more interesting going into the last week of the season. It really does. And speaking of which, we're going to be uh, getting into the final week of the season later on this week on the pod. Ollie Connolly joining us. Uh, the aforementioned Ollie, the producer back for Edge Rush as well. We're going to get a college, we're trying to stick a college days in as well, of course, with Ben Isaac. So we've got a jam-packed schedule for you this week. What are you writing about? Well, I wrote last from? week about John Madden. I know uh, you, ta- you talked about him already on uh, so I didn't go on about him on, on the show, but you can go to the Patreon column. And I wrote the whole column was on John Madden um, last week. This, this week, we'll see. I'll try to catch up. I think I've actually got a mailbag that I want oh, nice. to answer in, in the column. And uh, that's patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Got it right first time, Mike. <laughs> it is it. It's new year, new <laughs> yeah. Mike. Yeah, I knew that name was familiar somehow. My new, my new Secret Service name is, is Dust on the Crust. <laughs> that may be the title of my autobiography. What do you say? I think it, it should be, uh, or your or your difficult second album. I think it should, <laughs> it should be after Mike sings Christmas. The uh, country Mike you, sings Christmas. What would your what is your hotel pseudonym? You want to go <laughs> Neil in, in, Reynolds. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, I Mike. Listen, you're back next week. Fair I just point. wake up and talk. Well, hey, remember, I'm just a puppet, right? I'll see what what the boss reckons. That's true. And we'll That's Love your stuff from Iron Mike. He is back. Same time, same place next week. As I mentioned at the tail end there, we are going to be back with Ollie Connolly later on this week, looking ahead to week 18. Propo, an edge rush. Might even sneak in a college days as well. All of those can be found if you subscribe to us. That is drop into your podcatcher of choice. We're on social at the NC show. We'll put out videos from the episodes over there. Plenty of other extra content that goes out to big shout out to all of you who've taken time to, to review us, leave a review on whichever platform you listen to us on. We really appreciate that. It helps us with sponsors, helps us spread the word. And we are rolling this out for you each and every week through the season, through the off season as well. Don't worry, we're not going to be going anywhere. And so all of this helps us in the grand scheme of things. So we massively appreciate that. Hope 2022 is treating you okay so far. We'll see you later on in the week. Bye now.
Sports Social Podcast Network.